We lived in darkness. We were surrounded by miserable things. But now we come here and feel safe. I dream that anything is possible. That's what Maher Amahasna told a Washington Post reporter last year. Now we live in the light. As our church prepared for and then welcomed a refugee family from Syria, I have seen those lines from 1 John about walking in the light and fellowshipping with each other transform lives, including my own. Two years ago, about 20 of us met with Church World Service to learn what we could do here in Lancaster about the growing refugee crisis around the world. With the church's support, we formed a welcoming team. The first family we were assigned, Rabia and her three children, lost their chance to come when violence near their refugee camp in Iraq caused U.S. personnel to pull out. With the current travel bland, the door has slammed shut for them. I hope we continue to hold them in our prayers. Meanwhile, Church World Service told us about another family. We waited and prepared again. Finally, the Almahasna family arrived, Maher, Rhonda, and their four children, Yunus, Omar, Salam, and Noor. They are one family out of millions whose lives have been destroyed by the war in Iraq, in Syria, a war in which our country is complicit, a war whose refugees our government now denies sanctuary, a war that continues today but is fading further from the media spotlight. Our relationship with this family is our attempt to join in God's mission, to work for healing and justice in our community, and they have made it so easy. Anyone who meets the Almahasnas is charmed by their hospitality, their humor, their openness. The family has so much drive. Within his first month here, Maher told me he needed to get his license in a car. I thought that was going to be a long process. Before I could even locate a driver's manual in Arabic, he had already passed his permit test. He had found YouTube videos of people reading the driver's manual aloud in Arabic and learned the rules that way. The family took as many English classes as they could. Margaret and her kids, Sharon and Barry, worked with them in their home every week. And Arlene, Anne, Ashley, Tasha, and many others drove them to evening classes at local churches. A year later, Maher is now working as a chef at Upahar. Rhonda works at a dry cleaners and has catered nearly 100 100 meals this past year. Noor is in K-4 at Burroughs Elementary. Even when she's sick, she still begs her parents to be able to go to school. Salam, in second grade, loves to read. Omar, a fifth grader, works on bicycles any chance he gets. Eunice is in seventh grade at Lincoln Middle School and played on the soccer team. Our team has shared a lot of fun experiences with the family, picnicking, volunteering at Material Resource Center, bowling, attending Wizard of Oz at McCaskey, and celebrating their first year here with a special anniversary party. They've taught us so much about hospitality. So many times I've gone barging into their home with a to-do list and forms to sign, and Maher graciously stops me. Yes, yes, we'll do that, but first we'll eat together. Ashley and I have visited with our little kids who make a huge mess on the floor, and chagrined, we apologize. We meant to come here to help you, but look at this mess. But Rhonda smiles and says genuinely, we're so happy to see you. Church World Service was very clear from the beginning that there should not be any proselytizing or expectations for the refugee family to come to our church. The Almahasnas are faithful Muslims who attend a local mosque, and our team is culturally sensitive, so there was never any question there. But in the end, it was I who was evangelized to, not by street preachers and pamphlets, but by actions of generous love that I saw come out of our fellowship with the Almahasnas. We had less than 24 hours to set up their apartment that first winter, a task that seemed overwhelming. But you should have seen this team. East Chestnuters descended on that apartment on Lake Street, scrubbing furniture, heaving or sorry, scrubbing cupboards, heaving furniture, stocking the refrigerator. The standard wasn't, what are the requirements on the Church World Service checklist, but rather, what would I want for my own home? The boys' room seemed too crowded, so people promptly went out and bought bunk beds. In the days that followed, Dottie and Roland brought them carpets to cover the cold floors and curtains to make the rooms more cheery. Harley got Martin's appliance to donate a washing machine and found them a traditional meat grinder. 
Rod and Sherry gave them a van. Justin spent tedious hours with Xfinity setting up affordable internet. Keith got them a laptop and an Arabic keyboard. Other people brought flower boxes and herbs for outside their door since there was no yard. When the family moved off Lake Street, which was becoming increasingly violent, to Reservoir Street, thanks to Cal's Realty Company, it was long after our official duties and relationship had ended. But yet again, a dedicated team of people showed up. I had thought it was enough to dust off the windowsills, but Kate Cooker handed out toothbrushes so we could clean in the window jams. (laughs) I thought we could just vacuum the floors, but Lois was scrubbing them on her hands and knees. Harley and Bob Martin had moved most of the heavy furniture before the Syrian men even showed up with their van. My faith has felt pretty murky the past decade or so. I have more questions and certainties. I value the teachings of Jesus, but I struggle to know what a personal relationship with him really is. But being part of this team, seeing you lift heavy furniture repeatedly, scrub floors, drive to dentist appointments again and again and again, I feel like I'm seeing the hands and feet of Jesus. When Jay, Stephanie, and Titus met with Congressman Lloyd Smucker to discuss his positions on issues including the travel ban, I went along but just confirmed my prior judgments of his political priorities. As more of a challenge than a gracious gesture, I invited him to eat with the Omahasnas, people he was voting to keep out of our country. It took some persistence with his scheduler, but Lloyd actually went to the Omahasnas apartment and shared a meal with them. He didn't bring media, aides, or a driver. He brought his wife and son. He asked questions. He listened. And unlike me, the Almahasnas didn't have preconceived ideas about him. They welcomed him graciously, made him their best dishes. Although my voting pattern won't change, my heart did. Here was God again working through fellowship. Beyond labels of powerful politician and vulnerable refugees, that meal was about people, people and their families sitting around a table together, learning to know each other. It was Jesus showing up again, sharing a meal with a tax collector, or rather tax legislator. It got overwhelming at times, the endless appointments, the transportation schedules, the paperwork. But I didn't have to do it all myself. There was a dedicated team of people helping. But don't you know, this team didn't just care for the Omahasnas. They cared for me. Whereas I saw two categories, the people who need help and us, the helpers, people at this church have a broader view that we all need to be cared for to be supported. Becky Knoll brought our family a meal during the time. The team gave Randy and me a gift certificate for a getaway weekend. When I'm at the Almahasnas in the afternoon and don't get supper made at home, Rhonda feeds my kids and sends home food for Randy. Right, I'm slow to realize. God's love and care is for everybody, not just refugees, not just saints, but for even me. Working with all of you and getting to know the Almahasnas has helped me to experience a bit of God's kingdom in real life, not in an ancient text written by men, not in Sunday school platitudes, not within walls of a church where some people can be full members and others can't. In this real-life kingdom, we eat together, conservative congressmen, judgmental liberal, and Muslim refugees. We clean together, not just dusting services, but scrubbing on our hands and knees. We get involved in each other's lives. Isn't that what Jesus did? Your cheerful and genuine service and love, a wide love for the vulnerable and those who may appear invulnerable, like me, is something I want to be part of, something I want to learn more about. The Omahasnas are coming from a very dark time in their country's history, and it seems like we're in one too. But together, in this fellowship with each other, it feels like we're walking in the light. Thanks, Laura. Well, you know, you got to have something else to talk about. 
All believers were one in heart. No one claimed that any of their possessions was their own, but they shared everything they had. With great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and God's grace was so powerfully at work at them, in them, that there were no needy persons among them. What a vision, what a mission. Throughout the past 15 years or so, many from East Chestnut Street and beyond have related with many, many, many individuals through the community meal. We have acted with, within the calling of the church by God to love our neighbors as ourselves. This loving has contained much more than any one person can do alone. Together we prepare, greet, welcome, donate, sacrifice, listen, cry, smile, laugh, forgive, pray, talk about God, learn, give and receive, share scripture, watch, cook and clean, and bless. So with this acknowledgement of such a great crowd of lovers and witnesses of the resurrected Jesus that have gone before me and I am now with, I am, a, I am to share a bit about my love relationship with the people of Community Meal. This banner behind me, which I look at every week, is my guide. And I will start with the cross. For me, it is a reminder of the death of Jesus and my death. For the scriptures say, I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. This encourages me to be vulnerable and courageous in my life with Christ. For it is not only me who ventures into community meal, but also the one who is with me and in others. His name is Jesus. The fruit and the grapes of my life are to be given up and shared with those around me. Most Mondays, I let go of my urgent schedule and my mostly self-centered to-do list and come to join in the food and fellowship here in the basement. Early on, I came to serve those in need, but then I let go of that idea. Most days, there seem to be plenty of helpers and servers, although Greg would probably disagree. <laughs> For me to stand behind the serving table to quickly greet and serve up food to the passing line of faces was something I'd grown into years before. Is it necessary? Absolutely. Do we need it? Yes. Is that our mission? Yes. But what was God calling me to do? In what ways was God calling me to be vulnerable and to grow in my faith? With that question in my heart and my mind, I came back to eat with strangers. Or the biblical phrase is, one who eats with sinners. This was hard. This was harder. I lived the cliches, I don't know what I'd say. Or, what could I speak into their lives? This was a relational barrier I had not previously worked to purposely overcome. But as the scripture says, with much grace, that anxiety of what would I say or the apparent awareness of we're so different became less of a barrier. And now I enter into relationships with strangers a bit more vulnerable, learning that what I have to offer in the fellowship of strangers is me and my resurrected Jesus-impacted life. Let me repeat that because it was a big thing for me. As I returned to eat with strangers, I learned that what I had to offer was me and my resurrected Jesus-impacted life. 
Even though I was different than my neighbors, most seemed to be more interested in who I am, my resurrected Jesus impacted life than in our differences. With this realization, I was able to even step over this feeling of guilt that I seemed to carry with me at times of, well, I have more than them. Won't they look at me differently? So eating with strangers has grown into sitting with a regular group of guys of the, to eat with, to share stories with, to listen to. This has sometimes even been a holy experience. I also seek time to pray with others, and most agree and welcome it, and others decline. I also seek time to testify of the resurrected Lord Jesus. A recent hoot has been sharing our verse of the year with some at the meal. You know that verse? Keep alert. Stand firm in your faith. Be courageous, be strong, and let all that you do be done in love. Well, a few weeks after Jeannie had shared it with a friend of mine named Oral, I asked him about it. I said, Oral, do you remember that? And he says, yeah. And do you realize that at two weeks after that we had talked about it at the table, he said it word perfect. Started with a verse, said the verse, started with the place of the verse, said the verse, and then said the verse name again. 1 Corinthians 16, 13, 14. And he says, oh, and by the way, make sure you tell Jeannie. <laughs> and then, well, just two weeks ago, I brought it, it came up again in conversation when I saw Oral again, and we were both a little out of practice with it. <clears throat> so uh, we called in Heidi Beth, and, well, we still struggled with being word perfect. So then we called in Lois, and she straightened us out. <laughs> so we did all this, standing around with each other, in, a, in between the tables, laughing, carrying on, being a bit embarrassed, and we all had a good time. So I sometimes sit and eat with others. I sometimes sit and eat in silence. Um, but more often, sharing stories about the farm I live on, discussing the sheep, the chickens, the destructive deer, the groundhogs, my cats and dog, the struggle to keep bees, the bounty of fruit and vegetables that come each season, my working at McCaskey High School, my marriage, my family, and all that is part of my resurrected Jesus-impacted life. Along with sharing and listening, I've also been challenged to share these things that last longer than food. Food nourishes for a few hours, but the bread of life can nourish a soul for years. And this is where I think testifying to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus comes to the table. In revealing God's story of healing and reconciliation through Jesus, I'm taking part in testifying of the resurrected Jesus, which is part of what God has prescribed to bring healing to this broken world we inhabit. So this lengthy portion of which started with the mention of the cross is concluded with the table, which is behind me. If I could in good taste add a symbol to this banner, this beautiful banner, it would be a table. There is so much of the Christian life that revolves around the table imagery. The table is where the cross of Christ is most intimately revealed in our relationships with one another. Moving on, the wheat and the tares. There are all kinds of people that come to the meal. All kinds. Yet Jesus says, let them grow together until the harvest. So the wheat and the tares are a symbol of growing together with the healing and reconciling work of God 
being a living presence in my relationships. The wheat and tares are our reminder that we are in the ministry of reconciliation between God and humanity and within humanity. The dove, simply the source for everything. The source for relationships, the healing, the reconciling, the serving, and the hospitality. And when things go wrongly, the dove is a symbol of hope that we have, that what we're at what we're about is a renewal and that it's at it's at hand now and in the age to come. The basin and the towel. I once met a stranger at community meal, and by God's grace, the example of Jesus, the working of the Holy Spirit, I later washed the feet of this stranger, and to this day that moment brings joy and laughter to both Richard and me. The foot of the cross. This is where there is a recognition of the pain and suffering in our world and in the community that meets here. See those thorns at the bottom? There I see the grieving women who followed Jesus, looking up at him as he endured pain. I see the soldiers and the passers-by and all that they represented shouting at him from there. And I also hear the words spoken there, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Who in the room downstairs has not spoken those words? It was Jeannie that shared with me one day her sudden awareness one night at community meal that there is a large amount of pain and struggle in that room every time we meet. The sheer volume of which, and if everyone were written down, I suppose that even the whole world would not have room for the books that would be written. So this banner is a reminder of how we are to be lovers of our neighbors, to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus through our resurrected Jesus-impacted lives.